Hey, and welcome to Sweet Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Brown of IamAndreaBrown.com. You can find me on all social channels at IamAndreaBrown. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you get updates anytime a new episode posts. Sweet Talk recaps the Oprah Winfrey Network's critically acclaimed drama, Queen Sugar. Today's episode recaps season three, episode four, entitled No Haven in My Shadow. When the episode opens, we find our boy Ralph Angel sitting across from his ex-fiance Darla. And this is probably the most awkward silence that you could ever imagine. They're literally sitting in a living room, not speaking to each other at all. I mean, it was very, very uncomfortable there for a few minutes. It was like they both wanted to say things, but they decided not to. And of course, like always, to lighten the mood, enters Blue. And Blue shares with his mom this coloring book that he's created for her and tells her about this bonfire that is supposed to occur on Friday. Now, what she doesn't know is that the bonfire is going to replace Blue's birthday party. The bonfire is supposed to be a time to remember Blue's grandfather, Ralph Angel's dad, Mr. Ernest. And basically the family is going to take time out to write notes to him, burn them and send them up to heaven. Blue asks his mom if she's going to join them at the bonfire, and she says no, which of course makes Blue disappointed. Darla looks over at Ralph Angel and realizes there needs to be a conversation between the adults and sends Blue off to go get some crayons so they could try to color the coloring book. And in the time that Blue is gone, Ralph Angel and Darla have a conversation about how long Darla is staying. But the first things that I noticed was that Ralph Angel made a few comments that Darla kind of brushed off. First thing he noticed, hey, you cut your hair. Yeah, I needed a change. Well, I missed you. Thanks. (laughs) What? That's a little awkward. (laughs) But the two of them, it's very interesting. And it'll be interesting to see where their relationship goes as the season progresses. Aunt Violet gives Charlie a ring because she has a request. Apparently, Violet has scheduled a doctor's appointment for Mr. Prosper. Violet's kind of been stepping in as proxy since Mr. Prosper's wife is no longer living. And she tells Charlie, hey, girl, um, I got all these cherry pies here and I'm not going to be able to take him to the doctor. You need to do it. Of course. Of course, Charlie hits her with an ill excuse. Hey, um, sorry, I can't do it. There's somebody coming to work on something at the mill. I really don't have time. But Aunt Violet was not having it. She said, no, you're going to take him. Charlie was like, why can't Nova do it? Because Nova is shopping for the bonfire and getting prepared for the remembrance. You're going to do it. So Charlie finally decides to stop putting up a fight and go ahead and concedes. In the meantime, Charlie's sitting at 
her breakfast bar, trying to write out her note to her dad. She writes and scratches out, writes and scratches out. And I think, as I've said for the last three episodes, she's really struggling with the fact that she made a decision that may not be what's best for the community. Nova is struggling with a case of writer's block. As a matter of fact, we see her at her computer just kind of staring at the screen and she's basically got the intro to her proposal, but nothing else. And so she decides that she wants to call on Violet to get some advice. And when she does, she definitely gets the good old auntie advice. Aunt Violet actually says, black people don't have time for writer's block. And tells Nova that she has plenty of stories that she could tell because she's the only writer that Aunt Vi knows from St. Joe's. There's stories all up and down the community that Nova could tell. And I think it was at this moment that Nova finally had that light bulb go off in her head. Like, hey, there are some stories that I could tell here in this community. Aunt Vi told her, hey, They gave you the book deal because they want to know about you. And I think this is the beginning of Nova figuring out, I really do have a story to tell. As Aunt Violet gets off the phone with Nova, in comes Miss Effie. First of all, her name is Miss Effie. I I really just don't have time for ladies like this. But when I watched this scene, it kind of reminded me of the reason why people have so many issues with people in the church. It was very mean but anyway Miss F.E. comes in this is the lady that Aunt Violet had to barter with in order to get to use the kitchen at the church and she tells Violet hey um you gonna have to get out and Violet says um but the calendar says that I have the kitchen on Wednesdays until five o'clock and Miss F.E. says well the supper club is outside and They have the kitchen at four o'clock every Wednesday and they've been having it every Wednesday at four o'clock. They're outside pouting like puppies and they're good church going people. The shade of it all was that she said it like, hey, you don't go to church. These people actually go to church. So they trump you. And Aunt Violet says, look, um, the checks that I've been cutting to the church seem to be clearing. Everything seems pretty okay with that. Miss Effie says, "Mm, I'm sure the Lord is pleased, but that don't have anything to do with the supper club coming in here at four o'clock. So whatever you got to do to get yourself out of here, get yourself out of here. It was like one of those, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here type situations. And of course, this frustrates Aunt Vi, but what could she do? She had to get out. Chartley is meeting up again with her private investigator friend and she has uncovered some things that Charlie needs to know about the family, about percentage breakdowns, who owns what, who has side pieces, who has a pension for prostitutes, etc. But Charlie just doesn't seem satisfied. She's digging and digging and especially wants to know a little bit more about what's going on with Jacob Boudreau because she can't put in her mind that this guy is actually clean. I think this is becoming a little bit obsessive for her. It's actually concerning me a little bit. I hope that she maybe lays off. After putting Blue down for bed, 
Darla comes back in to speak to Ralph Angel and she has a few questions. Rightfully so, because Ralph Angel has not been talking to her. And I mean, I can get it. She messed up. But that doesn't change the fact that Darla really is Blue's mother. And so in their conversation, she asked him, hey, Blue told me about his field trip and he asked if I could chaperone it. Ralph Angel says, um, I already told his teacher that I was going to take him. She concedes for the moment. She then goes ahead and asks about the plastic that's under Blue's sheets. And Ralph Angel lets her know that Blue's been wetting the bed since a few weeks after Darla left. Of course, this makes Darla upset and rightfully so. I mean, she is the boy's mother and Ralph Angel really has been leaving her out in the dark as it regards to anything that's happening with Blue because he's refused to speak to her since she left. I think that's absolutely crazy. Ralph Angel then proceeds to ask Darla why she didn't tell him that she was coming back into town. And Darla says, what do you mean? I tried and you would never listen to me, which is big facts. This guy has been avoiding her since she left for the first time. And so Ralph Angel says, I don't know how we're going to make this work. But we will make it work. And the look those two shared was very interesting. I think both of them still love each other. And both of them are going to have to get out of their own way if they want anything to work beyond co-parenting. So Charlie heads over to pick up Mr. Prosper for his doctor's appointment. And when she arrives, she finds him searching for his medical records. He tells her that his wife had a system and that he never really understood it and he was trying to find the records, but he just couldn't. She sensed that he was getting frustrated So she kind of laid off of him a little bit and took a look around and there were pictures and old mementos. And one of the things that she came across was a trumpet. So she asked him, hey, Mr. Prosper, did you did you play trumpet? And he said to her, yeah, you know, your dad used to find me on Frenchman Street playing with the best of them. Mm. She said, wow, do you still play? And he said, man, it's been so long. I haven't even picked it up. She looks at her watch again and she says, hey, you know, we got to get out of here because if I don't get you to the doctor, I'm going to feel Aunt Violet's wrath. And he says to her, you know, your daddy always said you were headstrong. And when you get a comment like that from an elder, you know that you need to chill out. So she kind of took a seat and. She just listened as he shared with her about his relationship with her father. And in the end, they both said that they missed him. And Mr. Prosper told her, hey, your dad had nothing but good things to say about you. Of course, this led Charlie to some self-reflection. So instead of rushing him, she decided to tell him, hey, why don't we, why don't we just wait until tomorrow? Maybe we can reschedule your appointment and I'll come by early and help you try to find the paperwork that we can't seem to find right now. And I think that was good for both of them. Violet is out making deliveries for her Vi's 
Prize Pies Company. And she's been delivering these pies to the supermarket in the back of her SUV. Hollywood helps her out. They put them on a basically like a little cart and roll them into the store. And Hollywood says, hey, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for us to get this done. He actually suggests that they get a real delivery truck. And Violet says, no, no, I'm going to keep doing it my way. Darla Blue and Ralph Angel are out for pizza and Blue has done the most as most kids do. He had four whole slices of pizza and now his stomach hurts. So he runs off to the restroom. And while his parents are at the table alone, they decide to have a discussion. And Darla says, hey, I really would like to chaperone Blue on his field trip. And Ralph Angel says, I already told you I talked to his teacher. Why do you keep asking about this? And Darla says, I shouldn't have to ask permission to spend time with my son. Ooh, zinger, <laughs> right? <laughs> we know that Darla is Blue's mother, but we also know that Ralph Angel is not Blue's biological father. So she wasn't lying when she said that Blue is her son. That's big facts. And she says to him, hey, you know, nothing's changed. You're still his father. I'm still his mother. And Ralph Angel quickly corrected her and said, no, everything's changed. Everything has changed. One of the highlights for me of this episode was seeing Remy and Nova reunited. Because if you remember at the end of last season, the two of them kind of had a little saucy moment together. Well, Nova comes by the farm to bring food for the bonfire and Remy happens to be there because he's hosting one of his classes at the farm that day. And they have a few cute little exchanges, a little lingering, uh, staring, a little giggling here and there. And I'm interested to see, and I'm really hoping, low key, that Remy and Nova have a little connection beyond just friendship. We'll see what happens. I'm not really sure. Davis is back in town and he comes to pick up Micah for a little father-son time. And I can always tell when Davis is about to drop some bombs because he tries to use his money to soften the blow. And that's exactly what happened here. He comes in the house and he speaks to Charlie and he's like, hey, so I really like what you've done with the place. And Charlie's like, dog, I'm not trying to have no small talk with you. Nothing's changed since the last time I saw you and the last time you saw this place. I'm not about to do it with you. I'm sorry. And it's because he knows that he has something that he's going to have to tell her and it's not good. Davis asked Charlie what's happening at Ralph Angel's place and she doesn't really respond. Micah winds up responding and saying, hey, yeah, we're having a commemoration for grandpa. And he looks over at Charlie and he looks back at Micah and he's like, oh, I guess he thought he was getting an invitation, but he didn't get invited, which is tough cookies because that was his father-in-law. He did love Charlie and he did love Charlie's family. That must really suck. Being the good man that he is, Hollywood has already researched 
the idea of getting Violet a delivery truck. He's got stuff laid out on the kitchen table. And when she comes in, she sees it and she's like, what is this? I thought I told you I'm not really interested in getting a truck right now. And he says, oh, don't worry about it. I'm gonna buy the truck and I got a guy who's gonna fix it up for a couple hundred dollars. We're gonna put a magnet on the side of it with the logo and everybody's gonna know when Vi's prize pies are up in the building. And she's like, no, at this point in my career and in my life, I started this business by myself and I wanna keep it that way because I don't wanna owe anybody. Of course, Hollywood took offense to this because that's his lady. He doesn't want her to feel like she would have to give him something in return for his kindness. And finally, we get an explanation for this. It seems that Violet's ex-husband, Jimmy Dale, bought the house that she lives in for her. And every day that he had the opportunity to do so, he told her, hey, I bought this house. And she never wants anyone to be able to hold money over her head anymore. That makes sense. It's messed up, but it does make sense, finally. Well, Hollywood says, hey, you know, me and Jimmy Dale are like night and day, so don't ever compare me to him. And the other thing is, Hollywood saw Ernest, Violet's brother, Ralph Angel Nova, and Charlie's dad, work himself into the ground. And Hollywood doesn't want that for Violet. So he asked her again, please, you know, let me do this for you. Let those who love you help you. So Charlie is back at Mr. Prosper's again, this time to pick him up to take him to go to the doctor. And as they're outside getting ready to get in the car, he tells her, oh, you know what? I forgot my jacket. And she says, don't worry about it. I'll go back and get it. And he tells her, okay, it's on one of the chairs. So she goes back inside, right? And she sees a couple of things. Number one, she picks up the jacket, of course, but then she sees a photo of Mr. Prosper and her dad in it kind of made her miss her father again but under that photograph was a notice of termination from Landry Enterprises basically giving Mr. Prosper 30 days to vacate his property and of course Charlie is mortified they get to the doctor's office and Charlie asks Mr. Prosper hey so When you go into surgery, is there anybody going to be around to help care for you when you get out? And he says, oh, I'll just call my daughter. And she's like, wait, you haven't told your daughter about this? And he's like, oh, she's busy with her life and her kids, etc. And then Charlie asks him, did you tell your daughter about the eviction? And when she did that, I was like, oh, oh, this is not going to be good because, you know, people are prideful, especially older black men. And that's exactly the kind of response that Charlie got. Mr. Prosper said, that's nobody's business but my own. I'll handle it and I've got it. Charlie then finds out that Mr. Prosper has been leasing this land from the Landry family for years and that Sam Landry had been allowing him to stay on the property ever since they took his land lease. But Now, I guess that time is up. While waiting for the doctor to come out, this is such an interesting conversation to be had because it's such a, it's such a personal moment to be had in such a private place. When the doctor does come out, however, we see that it's the Latino guy that 
Charlie met a few weeks ago at the at the little club that she went to with Ralph Angel. And it turns out, as I figured, that she did not call him. So they have a nice little exchange and he says to her, hey, you know, when you're not super busy and you have time for yourself, go ahead and give me a call. And I really hope that she does. So Davis takes Micah to a arcade and they're playing around, playing games. And when it's time to leave, they get in the car and Davis explains to Micah why it was so hurtful to him that he wasn't invited to the commemoration for Micah's grandfather. It turns out that Mr. Ernest was really like a dad to him, more of a dad than his own father was. And so he never really got the opportunity to grieve that loss. But then he followed it up by saying, I need you to know something, son. I messed up. And Micah's like, huh? And Davis says, I have a daughter. You have a sister. Say what now? What? I knew the bomb was going to drop. I knew that there was something coming. Davis always has some kind of little secret that he got to drop on somebody. And so it turns out that Micah has a 13-year-old sister. And that that 13-year-old's mother recently died And so now, all of a sudden, it's important for Micah to know about this girl. Micah, of course, has the questions that I have, like, hey, did you know about her this whole time? The answer, yes. Does my mother know about her? The answer, no, of course Charlie doesn't know about an additional child that was clearly conceived during the time that she was married to Davis. This is not going to end well. After she leaves the doctor's office, Charlie goes and confronts Jacob Boudreaux and says, look, when were you going to tell me that you were kicking these farmers off of the land? And Jacob Jacob explains to her, hey, the EPA says we got to get these people out of there because this land is not safe since the runoff from the storm. I'm assuming they're talking about a hurricane, right? And Charlie says, this is not acceptable. You can't just kick people off of the land, especially not these people who we know have had historically have had issues with the land. Not to mention that our family friend is on that list of people whose land leases you guys broke. And Jacob says, you know what? You know, we're trying to compensate people. And Charlie's like, $5,000? $5,000 is not enough when you're kicking somebody out of their home. And Jacob says, you know, hey, we're trying to fix it. There's nothing we can really do about it, but you have to understand that you're now a part of this too. And dang, I know that hit Charlie like a ton of bricks. Finally, it's time for the bonfire and each member of the Bordelone family comes up and places their message to Mr. Ernest in the fire. And as they do, we kind of get to see what they were thinking and what their message was. And Micah says that he wishes that he had more time with his grandfather. And then we flash to seeing him watching an old video of his mom and his dad, some type of press junket. And his dad was saying things like, family is what's really important to me. And he loves coming home to the two of them. I think Micah's just reflecting and Nova's note says that 
their legacy and their story will carry on. And finally, we see that Nova's out of her writer's block and she's going to write about their family legacy, the farmers and everything that goes along with it. Aunt Violet's note says, thank you for always taking care of me. And we flash to seeing Violet and Hollywood talking and Violet finally saying, you know what, Hollywood, I'm going to take you up on that offer for that delivery truck. And sharing with him how hard it was for her to go ahead and allow someone to help her. And I thought that was a really beautiful moment. Ralph Angel's note says that he would raise Blue in his name. And we flashed to seeing Ralph Angel scratching out his name on Blue's permission slip and instead putting Darla's. Conceding that he's going to have to make some adjustments in his life and that Darla does deserve to be in her son's life. Charlie's note says, Dear Daddy, I'll take care of him. And before she places the note in the fire, she looks across at Mr. Prosper. So I could only assume that she made a promise to her father that she would take care of his friend. And that's really how the episode closes. When I think about something that we could take away from this episode, I think back to the conversation that Violet was having with Hollywood. There are so many times when we drag old trauma into new situations and it keeps us from getting what we really, really desire and what we really, really need at times. But thankfully, in this case, Hollywood was willing to do whatever he needed to do to ensure that his lady was taken care of. But sometimes situations don't always work out like that. And so it's important for us to think about when somebody offers us assistance, we should probably take it and we should probably let go of things that may have happened in our past that could keep us from getting what we need in our present. Every person is not the same. No one is literally the exact same as anyone else. So it's unfair to place old things on new situations. And that's just something for you to think about. Well, that wraps up my recap of Queen Sugar Season 3, Episode 4, No Haven in My Shadow. Thank you so much for listening to Sweet Talk. I am your host, Andrea Brown of IamAndreaBrown.com. You can find me on all social channels at I am Andrea Brown. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can get updates when new episodes post. Tell me, what do you think is going to happen between Nova and Remy? Or what do you think the result is going to be when Davis tells Charlie that he has an outside baby? Let me know. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.